Amen. Let's take our Bibles. Please turn to Philippians chapter 1 tonight. Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. I want to thank Mr. Baker for planning a barbecue because we needed rain. Isn't that the way it usually works? <laughs> Philippians chapter 1. Well, With God's help tonight, I want to preach a message entitled, Excellence. Excellence. You know, sometimes in no fault of our own, we have to settle. It's just a fact of life. You know, you, you have a dream of a, a, a big house. A big house. But you can't always afford those things, you know. I, I feel sorry today, to be honest with you, for... A young couple just getting married and starting out, and they find out a house is $700,000 here in Simcoe. It's incredible to me the, the way prices have gone. But, so they, they may have to settle for something else. And it's not that they, they don't want to have a nice home, and it's not that they don't want a, a clean place to live. It's just that they're doing the best with what they have, and it's all they can afford. And so they settle for something a little less than excellence, perhaps. And we do the same. We, based on things, anything we purchase, we may not be able to afford the very best. If you need a new car, you might not be able to get a Mercedes or a Cadillac, but you, you drive what you can afford and you purchase and you settle for something that will get you from here to there, that it's safe and that maybe, maybe it's good on gas. You'd like to have that great big pickup truck with the big eight-cylinder engine, but you know today uh, you'd have to have a tanker truck follow you around to be able to afford that thing. And so you get a four-cylinder car and you, you go from play and you try to save a little bit of money. We settle... We don't always get the very best for the top line. The problem is, sometimes we do that spiritually as well. And we see incidences of that all through the Bible. God offers us so much, and he gives us so much, and we settle for second best. And we don't have to. Because here's why. It's not about what we can afford. The price has already been paid. It's a matter of just receiving it by faith and walking with God. And, and you say, well, how do, how do we? you've got the manual. We've got God's book. And so we don't have to settle for second best. It's about the daily choices that we make, whether to live for God or not. And the Apostle Paul addresses that a little bit to the church at Philippi. And so let's read a little bit tonight. The Bible says in verse 1, Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi and the bishops and deacons, grace be unto you. And peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, taking, making requests with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it under the day of Jesus Christ. That's a great verse to underline or mark in your Bible. Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. If you think that Jesus is done with you, you are wrong. The Bible says if he began something in you, he will perform it until Christ comes again. We have that promise in Scripture. Look at verse 7. Even as it is meet for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, ye all are partakers of my grace. For God is my record, how greatly I long after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ." 
And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, that you may approve things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ under the glory and the praise of God. Let's pray. Father, as we come to your holy word tonight, we pray that you'd help us to understand it, to work it into our hearts and apply it to our lives. May the Spirit of God teach us. I surrender to you and ask that you might fill me. And Lord, we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. By the time we reach verse 9 of chapter 1, Paul has finished his salutation and some things that he does to encourage the church at Philippi. He reminds them in verse 6 that God would continue to work in their lives. It was a, a promise of Scripture. But now as we come to verse 9, he starts to give them some instruction, some things that they would follow in, the, in their local church. And one of the things he says in verse 9, And this I pray that your love may abound yet more. And how do we have that love abound? He says, and in the knowledge and in all judgment. So he says, when you have knowledge, don't be puffed up, but you must have love with it. First Corinthians chapter 13 echoes that, that fact that there are some that are puffed up and they have not charity. They're puffed up with knowledge, but they don't have love. He says, so when you have knowledge, he says, the church of Philippi was a growing church. They were a church that were concerned about lost souls. They, the Bible tells us that, that Paul will say in chapter 4 that they communicated unto him. In other words, they sent him missionary support. They financially helped Paul to stay on the work of the gospel. And so they were a church that was concerned about others. They were a church that was a Bible-preaching church, and they were doing some good things. And Paul says, don't forget love. Make sure you love one another, even though you have knowledge you're a church that is growing in knowledge, and, and, and I have taught you some things. I want you to make sure that you have love, but also to have judgment. To have judgment. That's discernment. We, we, we love to say, judge not lest you be judged. Well, if you keep reading, the Bible says, by the same measure. And what, what that means is it's okay if we are, are making good judgment calls, as long as we understand we will be judged by the same standard. In other words, don't be hip hypocritical in your judgment. We make judgments every day, and, and if we don't make judgments, we do not have good discernment. And so he's encouraging the church to grow in knowledge and in judgment or in discernment to make sure that we are making good decisions in our life. And here's why, verse 10, that you may approve things that are excellent. In other words, he says that if you don't get this idea, if you're not growing in the knowledge of Jesus Christ and you're not in the word and you're not using judgment, he says you're not approving things that are excellent. You're not striving for excellence. I remember many times I had come to church and I'd find something. I remember coming to Faith Baptist Church in Hamilton one time and finding a paper box outside the door and it had a broken dot matrix printer you remember what those are you young people don't even know what that is the paper had these little holes up down the side and it would it would pull it through the printer on a on a pinwheel kind of thing and it would turn and, and the printer would go back and forth like a typewriter almost and then when you were done you had to peel those edges off it was perforated and you do you know what i'm talking about daniel is that before your time 
You don't know. He has no clue. He's lost. He dozed off when I started said dot matrix. He's gone. And they left it outside the door. It was broken. It says, this is broken. But if you can fix it, the church can have it. Well, thank you. In other words, you want me to haul your junk to the dump for you. That's about all that amounts to. I remember many times where, where we would we'd say, well, we need to go and purchase. And I, I'd say, I'm going to go and get a, a broom and a dustpan. And the next day, somebody come in and say, Pastor, I got a broom and dustpan. They bought it at the dollar store. Well, they break in about five minutes. It's not worth anything. And there's nothing more frustrating than a dustpan that doesn't sit flat. And, and so they, people bring in their junk in. Listen, when we, when we do things for Jesus Christ, we ought to do it with excellence. We ought to give our very best. Now you say, well, I can't, uh, I can't afford uh, to, to give uh, uh, that kind of offering to the Lord. Uh, then you give your best. You give the best of what the Lord has trusted you with. And, and if somebody, by the grace of God, if, if all they could afford was a dollar store, I'm not going to complain about that. I'm going to be thankful for that. But let's not give our cast-offs. Let's not give our broken items to the Lord. And instead, let's do our very best to be pleasing unto him. I'm reminded of the Old Testament temple that literally they had to tell the people, please stop giving. <laughs> We've got too much gold. We've got too much silver. We don't know what to do with it all. Please stop giving. The people had a heart to do their best for God. Now, this doesn't just talk about giving, does it? If we're going to approve things that are excellent, we have to do our best for the Lord as well. I remember several years ago, Pastor Phil Clayton, when he was still at Kitchener Baptist Church, he got some literature printed, and uh, he had it printed at a local print shop and, and uh, by, uh, by a friend that had worked there that had gone to his church. And the friend printed it, and when he got it, it was all kind of jagged on the edges. They didn't put it through the cutter just straight, and things were just a little bit crooked. And he looked at that, and he says, you know, I should have known. That guy's attitude with everything he does is, that's just good enough. He says, no, let's, let's cut that straight. Let's just put it in the cutter and make sure it's cut straight. And so... Uh, so he, we, that day he was meeting Pastor Stone, and Pastor Stone, of course, had the printing press. And so he took that whole box of literature over, and he says, here, would you take that back to BPS and put it through the cutter and make those edges straight? He says, if I'm giving that out for the Lord, I want it to be the best. I want it to look nice. Uh, he says, I've got this guy in my church that's got the attitude, this is good enough. Heaven help us. The Bible says that as we grow and mature, we ought to want to prove things that are excellent. Now, at the church of Philippi, he was talking about the spiritual decisions that they make every day. He says, I want you to grow in love, knowledge, and judgment or discernment. And as they grew in Bible knowledge, they were able to make better decisions for Christ. But he says that you may be able to prove that which is excellent. I want to talk about that a little bit tonight for a few minutes if we could look if you will at verse 9 with me tonight i want you to notice that word approve verse or sorry verse 10 that you may approve things that are excellent understand this the word approve there in the bible is a is a word that it means a process there's the process of approving approved means to put something to the test as a fine metal 
And so uh, uh, the refiner's fire would take a metal and he would uh, burn it and burn off the dross and the dirt and the impurities of the metal and it would come through the fire more pure. And that's what this word approve means. They would test gold and decide whether it was 10 karat or 14 karat or 24 karat gold and they would do this by the test of approval. There was a way that they would do that. Jewelers will do the same with diamonds. They will look at the clarity and they will look at the cut and they will look at the color, those three C's that they check in and they want to know if that diamond is is approved by the jeweler. God has an approval system for your life as well. He examines us each day and he makes sure that we are making these decisions in the right way. But here's the thing, we need to be approving things that are excellent in our own lives. We need to have a process of approval that takes on. So let me ask you this tonight. Just, just think about this. What is your standard of approval? When you're looking at something that's going to affect your life spiritually, what, what approval process do you go through in your mind? What is it you're looking for? You might say in a positive sense, you might look at something positively. You say, what do you mean by that? I mean, you might say, well, I'd like to watch a religious program. I'd like to start a Bible study. I'd like to take part in a, a small group study or something like that. And so you look at it and you say, you have to ask yourself some questions, don't you? Because how many of you know not everybody that on TV has a, has a good Bible message? And so we have to be able to sort those things out. We have to look at it and say, okay, is this going to help me? Is this going to strengthen me? Is this going to edify me? Is this guy preached from the Bible? Does he teach the truth of God's word? And so you need to have an approval process to approve things that are excellent. I remember years ago, there was a fellow that came to our church. His name was Sija Balusio Sabanda. What a name, eh? And I'm so proud of myself for remembering that name. I really am. We called him CJ. Sija Balusio Sabanda. And he was from Zimbabwe. And uh, first time he came to our church, he, he, he sat there and, and a smile as wide as the room. Just a fantastic guy. He was about six foot three and he was about six feet wide. I mean, he was a giant of a man, but he was a teddy bear. Just a sweet spirited guy. And he came a few weeks and we stopped by his house to visit with him and talk with him a little bit. And I said, Brother CJ, I said, tell us about where you're from. And he said, I'm from Zimbabwe. And he says, I got saved there and different things. And I said, how long have you been in Canada? And he told us that. And I said, where have you been going to church? And he said, well, I used to live in Mississauga. And he says, when I was in Mississauga, I went to this church. And he says, uh, I, I liked it. And he says, I, I was going there faithfully. I can't remember what it's called now. And he says, but when I moved to Stony Creek, he says, a friend of mine said, go to this church. And it was at the movie theater in Ancaster. He says, you went into the church, and he says, they would broadcast another church out of Toronto on the screen every Sunday morning. And he says, but the concession stands were open, and people were bringing in popcorn and soda pop. And he says, I mean, he says, it was going to the movies type atmosphere. He says, it wasn't worshipful. It wasn't, he says, here's what he said, and here's the word he said. He says, it was not Authentic. I thought, that's a great word, authentic. He says, but I, I've come to Faith Baptist for a while, and he says, I feel like it's authentic. He says, you're not perfect, but he says, you believe what you say. 
and you teach the Bible, and you sing songs that glorify God. He says, I find it to be authentic, and that's what I'm looking for. What he is saying is that I have an approval process on things that I want to put into my life that will help me spiritually. Well, how, how do you have an approval process about things that perhaps could impact you negatively? Now listen, not everything is bad. Not everything that does not help you spiritually is bad. So you, you might say, well, I, I like roller coasters. A roller coaster will not help you spiritually one bit. It, it won't. It'll just make you throw up your hot dogs. That's all it'll do. It, it's not going to help you spiritually. But I do not believe that it is wrong to ride a roller coaster. I think it's okay to have fun. I think God wants us to have a little fun once in a while, to have some joy in our lives. So I'm not saying it's wrong. But here's the thing. Understand this. Does anybody know what the word muse means? It means to inspire, right? Is I need a muse or, or somebody is my muse. They, that means they inspire me. You ever heard the word amuse? It is the opposite. It means it's uninspiring. It means it'll take your mind away from being inspired. I'll admit, sometimes I do that. I tell my wife some nights, I say, Sunday night is sometimes my favorite night of the week. Because as soon as church is over, I can just kind of, I feel stress melt off my shoulders. I can just kind of relax and I can breathe. And, and, and I said, sometimes I just want to go home with my wife. And I'll tell you a secret, we have nachos just about every Sunday night. Mexican food, amen? And so we'll get nachos and we'll get salsa and sometimes we'll get queso and, and sometimes we will, we'll get the shredded Mexican cheese and we'll get the tomatoes and the onions and we'll put it all together and put it in the oven and bake it and oh, so good. But I, I'm basically, I'm saying, boy, for a couple hours, I don't want to think about work. I just want to relax. I don't think it's wrong. But we have to be careful in those activities that we choose that they don't lead us in the wrong direction. That they don't steal our hearts. And they become sinful when they stand between us and God. I, I have no problem with watching a baseball game. But we ought not to miss church to watch a baseball game. I have no problem playing an athletic event. But if it takes us away from the Lord every Sunday, or if it keeps us out of the Word of God on a daily basis, or if it becomes your idol, then we have to be careful. What I'm asking you is this, what is your process for approval on things that are both positive and things that might affect you negatively? Do you have one? And we ought to, every Christian, every believer, ought to be able to critically examine, he says, I want you to grow in knowledge and judgment. You need to grow to the point where you can look at something and say, this is not healthy for me spiritually. As a matter of fact, this is going to hurt me or draw my heart away from God. And you have to be very careful of it. So what are those processes? Number one, does it appeal to the flesh or to the spirit? Does it appeal to the flesh or to the spirit? Look at Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Look there with me. Romans chapter 8 and verse 1. Notice what it says. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are on Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, 
but after the Spirit. Now, we often know verse 1, and then we jump down to about verse 12. Romans chapter 8 is a great chapter, and we know a lot of it. But some, there's some important verses here in verses 2 through 9. Listen. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemns sin in the flesh. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, listen to this, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. He's saying, what are you choosing? Are you choosing the flesh or the Spirit? If you want to be more spiritual, you'll mind the things of the Spirit. If you want to be more fleshly, you'll mind the things of the flesh. Now, there's no doubt in my mind that in this life and in this world, there are times where we have to mind the things of the flesh. You have to get up and go to work tomorrow. You have to pay your bills. You have to put food on the table for your family. But it does not have to be the God in your life. There are some people that this, all they do is they work and 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 they neglect their family, they ne neglect their spiritual life, and, and they neglect everything else spiritual just so that they can put away more money for their life. That's very dangerous. The Bible does not say that money is the root of all evil. It says the love of money is the root of all evil. And so what is our approval process? Does it appeal to the flesh or to the spirit? Look at verse 5. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. If you're after money, you'll chase money. If you're after fame, you'll chase fame. If you're after flesh, you'll mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded, listen, is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. Here's the problem. We keep pursuing the flesh. The Bible changes the words back and forth there, either fleshly or carnal. It's the same thing. You keep pursuing the flesh. Notice what happens by the time we get to verse 7. Eventually you have a carnal mind. It's no longer a spiritual mind because you just keep feeding it fleshly things. And as you pursue those things, they'll become your obsession. And so what is your approval process? Are we, uh, do we have to ask ourselves the question, does it appeal to the flesh or to the spirit? Let's finish out the chapter, verse 7, or the verses, verse 7. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the lot of God, and neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. So the first question we ask when we are trying to approve something as excellent, what is the process? Number one, does it appeal to the flesh or to the spirit? If it appeals to the flesh, we ought to be very, very careful with it. We ought to say this, this appeals to the flesh, but it's necessary. Then I'm, I'm going to get through it as quickly as I can. I'm going to go to work to pay my bills. I'm going to make sure that I am shielding myself with the armor of God. I'm going to make sure that I am praying always with all prayer and supplication. I'm going to make sure that I always have on the shield of faith while I'm doing this activity, while I'm working this job, while I'm going through this valley. Whatever it takes to protect my heart and my mind and my soul so that I can get home as quickly as I can and get back to my spiritual life. 
That doesn't mean you depart from your spiritual life. You're always walking with Jesus, but you need to do it while you're doing these activities. And so how do we approve it? Is it carnal? Is it fleshly? Or is it spiritual? Here's the second thing. Does it align with the word of God? Does it align with the word of God? I'm going to give you one verse. 2 Timothy 3.16. We all know these verses. 16 and 17. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Now listen to this. That the man of God may be perfect. And here's the part I want you to hear. Truly furnished unto all good works. See, what does that word furnished mean? It means equipped. It means equipped. So as we are in the word of God, God is equipping us. It, the word of God is profitable. It gives us doctrine, reproof, for correction, and it gives us instruction that we might be perfect, which means complete, and truly, not thoroughly, truly, all the way through you. You are furnished or equipped unto good works. So that means tomorrow morning when you get up and go to work, you've read your Bible, you've prayed, you've got on the armor of God, and you're able to be a testimony for the Lord Jesus Christ, even in a carnal place. You go to the park and you're playing with your kids and it's a benign activity. It's not anything spiritual, but in that place, you can be a testimony to those around you. They're going to see how you love your children. They're going to see how you discipline your children. They're going to see how you talk to your children. They're going to see how you've taught your children to treat other kids. And so when we approve things spiritually, we are truly furnished because not only are we asking, is this spiritual or is it fleshly? We are also saying, does this align with the word of God? Is this what God is teaching me in my life? Listen, the word of God is profitable in every single area of your life. You can't just turn off certain things. And so if we are to be, if the Bible says in Ephesians 4.32 to be kind one to another, that means every day all the time. In every situation. So you don't understand the kind of people I work with. The Bible says be kind one to another. We used to say that to our kids all the time. We, we'd look at them. They, they'd get fighting or bickering about something. We'd say, Ephesians 4.32. Maybe we didn't say it very kind when we said it. They'd be in the van driving somewhere to Texas. Oh, my goodness. You drive to Texas with four little kids. And they'd get bickering or they'd get upset about something. And, and you know what it is, right? Dad, Emily's one inch over on my side of the seat. That's, that's how those fights go, right? They, they bicker over territory. And we'd say, Ephesians 4.32. And they go, be kind one another, tender heart for you. But they knew. They didn't always practice it, but they knew that's what we wanted. The word of God is sufficient. And so there should be an approval process in our lives. And everything that we do, we have to ask ourselves, is this appealing to the flesh? Is it appealing to the spirit? Does it align with the word of God? Here's why. Ultimately, all of our works will be tried. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Just forward a few pages in your Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Look at verse 11. For other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid, than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. 
Now, if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, and stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. Now, if the work is gold, silver, or precious stones, it'll be refined. If it's wood, hay, or stubble, it'll be burnt up. God has a refiner's fire. He has an approval process, and so should we. So look back at Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. We've talked about the process of approving. I want to give you a second thing now. The pitfalls of carelessness. The pitfalls of carelessness. What happens when, we, uh, when we're careless about this process? When, when we don't give our, uh, have an approval process in our lives? When we don't examine things according to God's word and we don't look at things and say, is this spiritual or is it fleshly? What can happen? Number one, we will settle for less than the best. In other words, God has something for you. God has a plan for your life. And by taking that control of that life and not lining it up with God's word and not looking whether it's fleshly or carnal, we are going to settle for less than God's best. We are going to take ourselves out of God's will. Notice what he says as we look at this passage, verse 10, that you may prove things that are what? Excellent. That's God's standard. That's what God wants for us. Those things are, listen, I am not, I'm not part of that name it, claim it group. I'm not the word of faith crowd that, that says God wants you to have a, a mansion with seven car garage and a Mercedes and all those things. I, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that God wants you to approve things in your life that are excellent. And that comes through discernment and living spiritually in Christ Jesus and knowing the word of God and comparing it with the word of God. The word excellence there means this, to distinguish between good and evil. To distinguish between good and evil. You know, you know a lot of times we're our own worst enemies just simply by the choices we make. We choose sometimes the easy path. We choose sometimes the sinful path. And as a result, we settle for less than God's best. We miss out on what God has for us, the blessings that he has in store. So he says, I want you to approve things that are excellent. Have this approval process. Why? Because God has something for you. He has a plan for your life. He has a perfect will. And sometimes we fall into his permissive will because we are not re realizing all the things God has for us. And so in, by effect, we alter God's plan for our life because of the choices we make. That word approving means to choose, which is excellent. It is a process by which we choose. Ultimately, the refiner that takes the gold and puts it through the fire, at the end of the day, he has to choose what quality it is, how good it is, how pure it is. Will I, will I put it through the fire again and try to purify it even more? Will I take out more of the dross and more of the dirt? Will I try to make it better? And we too have choices. And when we are approving things which are excellent, we are saying, I am choosing God's best. And I'm desiring God's best by trying my best to live by God's word. Are we perfect? Absolutely not. But I want to do things that will feed me spiritually. 
and help me grow. So prove things that are excellence. And then I want you to see thirdly, the purpose of excellence. Look what he says here in this verse. That you may prove things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense to the day of Christ. There's, there's two different things going on here. Number one, that you may be sincere. That, that is talking about internal traits, that we are righteous within. And then he says that you're without offense. That means we are without outward offense. I, I think we know who we're talking about. And when we look at this passage of Scripture and we think of somebody who is beautiful on the inside and the out, somebody pops into our heads, don't they? We think of somebody. I'm going to pick on somebody tonight. I'm going to pick on Brother Dennis. Is that okay, Brother Dennis? You got no choice? No. Years ago, we had a deacon here at the church, and I won't tell you who it is. I don't want to embarrass you. But here's, here's what he said about Dennis Bowsfield. He said, he is just a sweetheart. He says, you wouldn't normally say that about another man, but he says, about Dennis, he is a sweet-hearted gentleman. And I agree. I think Dennis is a great guy inside and out. And I think that's what the Scripture is telling us to look for. That when we walk with Jesus Christ, I, I, I don't mean to put you on a pedestal, Brother Dennis. I just, just it was a good example when that gentleman said that about you. I just thought it was a, a nice comment. It's nice to be thought of like that. But there was something in the scriptures that says, I want you to be sincere inside and without offense outside. There's a softness about you, a gentleness about you. That only comes through living a spiritual life in Christ Jesus. I, I can tell you, your spouse, your spouse can tell you real quick when you're walking in the spirit, when you're walking in the flesh. Just by how you answer them, how you speak. Sometimes there's other things going on. You're hurting. You're upset. You're bothered by something. But even in those instances, we can choose to walk godly in Christ Jesus. We can choose to have joy. We can choose to approve those things which are excellent and live for Jesus Christ. Oh, it's not easy. But if you're walking in the Spirit of God, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. You won't get caught up in all these things that the world has to offer. In other words, the purpose of excellence is just simply to have a consistent walk without hypocrisy. The same on the outside as you are on the inside. You know, sometimes it just comes down to the choices we make. You're eventually going to settle... Listen, listen to me tonight, young people. Years ago, we had a young man in our youth group. And if we went to a youth rally somewhere, back then they had regular youth rallies. They had the riot, it was called, the revival involving Ontario teens almost every two months. And then the opposite months, they had the soy youth rallies hosted by churches in Mississauga. And it meant southern Ontario youth. And we'd go to those things about once a month. We'd be at a different youth rally all the time. And every time we went to one of those youth rallies, that young man would leave our group and go find 
the kids that were always in trouble. And he'd hang out with those kids. And I'd take him aside and I'd say, listen, buddy, eventually you're going to end up causing the same problems they're causing. You're going to settle in because of the choices you made. You're going to settle into that atmosphere. You're choosing to follow after these kids that, that, that are causing problems. I said, I'd rather see one of them go and join a bunch of spiritual kids. That they would be influenced, but instead you guys are all grouping together and causing a ruckus in the back row and, and eventually, and sure enough, he was the kid that went off and his girlfriend got pregnant, living together years later, never married, and just, just made a mess of his life. That's what happens when we settle. But Christians ought to live on a higher plane. I don't mean to say that we are better than anybody else, but I am, I am going to say very boldly, we ought to make better choices than everybody else. And we ought to choose to follow Christ and to live spiritually and to approve those things that are excellent. So you need to have a process in your life where you're always thinking, is this spiritual or is it carnal? Does this align with the word of God? Is this pleasing to my Savior? And then pursue righteousness. You will reproduce in your life the things that you are constantly absorbing. The things you put in are eventually going to come out. Approving things that are excellent. Let's pray. Father, help us. I'm so glad that when you chose a sacrifice for my sins, you sent the very, very best. The perfect, the spotless Lamb of God. Lord, you're asking us to approve that. Which We're not perfect. We're going to make mistakes. I don't believe it's wrong to, to have some time of amusement or entertainment. But Lord, we have to be careful that that's not all we pursue that it's not a God to us, an idol in our lives. That our lives are spent in trying to glorify Jesus and to live spiritually and to align ourselves with the Word of God. So Father, I pray that you speak to our hearts tonight and challenge us, each one of us, to take this real small checklist. It's, it's not, not, not that long. The Bible says, The just shall live by faith. We must do the same. So I pray that you'd help us to pursue that which is spiritual, to shun that which will hurt us spiritually, and to align ourselves with the word of God so that we might be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. Father, speak to our hearts tonight, we pray. We'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand tonight with our heads bowed. The altar's open. If God has spoke to your heart, would you do business with the Lord tonight? give you a moment to respond.